0: Welcome along to the Brain for Business, Brain for Life podcast with me, Lawrence Nell, where we take the lessons from evidence-based academic research, most particularly involving the brain and behavioral sciences, and translate them in a way that is accessible for leaders and organizations. I'm particularly delighted to welcome to this episode of Brain for Business, Brain for Life, Professor David Cropley. Professor Cropley is Professor of Engineering Innovation at the University of South Australia in Adelaide, Australia, and is an internationally recognized expert on creativity and innovation. His teaching interests focus on systems engineering and related concepts, and his research examines a range of aspects of creativity and innovation, both in the field of engineering and more broadly. David is an author and editor of six books, including The Ethics of Creativity, Creativity and Crime, and with his father, Emeritus Professor Arthur Cropley, The Psychology of Innovation in Organisations, published by Cambridge University Press. David, you are very welcome. Laurie, thank you very much. It's, it's great to join your podcast. Well, thank you. So perhaps we might start with a very straightforward question. What is innovation? Well,
1: Laurie, I like to contrast it with its what I think of as its sibling of creativity, and you mentioned creativity in the introduction. Uh, so, if creativity is about generating novel and effective ideas, then innovation is really about exploiting those effective novel ideas. And I I think that really highlights the both the contrast, but also the the connectedness of creativity and innovation. So, really in very simple terms, innovation. It's about making use of these these clever new ideas people generate, usually for, for some sort of business purpose, but there's also of course social innovation where, where we make use of those, you know, for the good of society. So it's about generating and using new ideas.
0: And when you when you describe it like that and you talk about generating and using new ideas how then does does innovation happen i can think about how we might use ideas and apply them but how do we how do we generate ideas how does it just happen
1: well i think the the important thing and it's you know very relevant uh, for this podcast and talking about the brain and people and so on is that the innovation isn't a, a kind of simple one size fits all process uh, and in fact i like to to explain to people that innovation is a system of interacting factors and phases. And what I mean by that is that the factors are really four key things. So there are elements of who we are as people. There are aspects of the way that we think and and process information. There are factors relating to the environment in which we're carrying out these activities, and then there are the, the outcomes themselves. So those are the four factors that that are important for innovation. And then the other important point to remember is that innovation takes place over a series of phases and those phases don't happen don't have to happen necessarily in a in a strict sequence but there are distinct phases from first recognizing that a problem exists right through to implementing your solution so the the key to innovation this idea that how does innovation happen is that it's it it, it is a complex sort of matrix or a complex system of interacting factors about the people involved, the environment, and the different steps uh, over which this process is taking place. And when, when organizations begin to understand that that uh, interacting system, that's really the key to, to understanding how innovation happens and, and what to do to make it happen more effectively.
0: So if we think about, say, the, the title of, of your book, uh, The Psychology of Innovation in Organizations, what role does psychology play in that? Is it about the, the individuals that are working together, perhaps, or you know, rubbing against each other, that creative abrasion? Or is it about the psychology of that context or the leadership? Or is it all of these factors combined? It's, it's all of the above. Uh, but I, I think
1: that what makes it fundamentally psychological in nature ultimately comes back to the fact that people are at the heart of it. So, you know, whether you're talking about an organisation or a team, of course, those entities are ultimately are made up of individual people. And really, what makes it fundamentally psychological is uh, the the range of factors that I mentioned a moment ago. So, um, when we talk about the person as a as a key factor in innovation, what I'm talking about, there are the attitudes that people have their behaviors, their psychological dispositions, or or let's say, personality traits, their emotions, and, and so on. And all of those things play a role in dictating whether or not we can be creative and innovative and and how how that gets expressed. Uh, The process that I mentioned before, that comes back to, you know, how do we think and, and there are two fundamental contrasting uh, thinking styles that are important for innovation. One is the idea of divergent thinking where we generate lots of new possibilities. The, the converse to that is convergent thinking where we're focused on on finding the right answer. Uh, and the third factor that's that really makes it psychological, but ties into teams and organizations is the the environment itself and what we mean by the environment in this case is the you know company culture the working environment the the resources that are available so so what makes innovation basically psychological is that it's a function of who we are as people it's a function of how we think as individuals and it's a function of how we interact with each other in an organization and and that as you mentioned also brings in leadership and management and, and related things. But ultimately, it's it's about people doing things together in teams, in organizations, that is the, the core of innovation.
0: You mentioned their personality. If we were to, to think about personality in in terms of, I don't know whether we're talking traits or preferences or types or whatever particular model you, you wish to refer to, are, are there some some of those characteristics that are more amenable to innovation and and creativity than than others. So, you know, someone who is perhaps extroverted versus introverted or whatever, just to put it in those terms. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And
1: certainly, well,
0: because creativity, of course,
1: uh, is about generating the ideas and innovation, exploiting them, then if we go back to, to creativity for a second, the source of these ideas and solutions, we know very, very uh, precisely that, that there are certain personality characteristics or traits that, that are strongly associated with creativity. And one of them in particular is the, the uh, trait of openness or openness to new ideas. So uh, study after study in creativity shows a very strong connection between openness and higher levels of creativity. So to answer your question, I mean, that's that's probably the best single sort of personality trait marker that's associated with creativity and therefore innovation. However, uh, having said that, because innovation is more than just generating the ideas and it's implementing them as well, then there are uh, depending on the stage of the innovation process there are other personality factors and so on that come into play as well for example sometimes when once we've generated an idea developed a, a possible solution we've got to implement that solution and you know and basically get it out of the door then there may be other personality traits that come into play there you know the ability to to kind of meet a deadline and and focus and so on so uh, another interesting um, key to innovation is that there's no single trait or or characteristic or factor that is universally uh, important for innovation. It, it depends on the stage of the process that you're in.
0: And, and does that also apply when you're thinking about those alternating phases you mentioned of a divergent and convergent thinking, that different traits and characteristics are more suitable or applicable at each one? That's right, so uh,
1: you know, if you take a, a stereotypically, uh, let's say, divergent phase of innovation, so let's let's talk about the phase of idea generation, then that's a, a stage that we need to engage in at some point in the innovation process. We, we, we know what problem we're trying to solve, and we're ready to generate ideas. Now that's a phase where, in terms of the sort of psychological dispositions, People need to be thinking divergently. They need to be generating lots of ideas. And that means that in parallel with that, they've also got to have the support within the organization to do that. So the environment uh, needs to be of a certain type where people have sufficient time and resources to actually engage in that idea generation process. Uh, so, so in that idea generation stage, you have a a kind of profile where the ideal is a person who's open to new ideas motivated and so on where they have good divergent thinking skills and where the the organizational environment supports that particular activity and that's very different from a later stage I mentioned a moment ago of, you know, when you get to the business end of the process of implementing a solution, you may have something that's almost the complete opposite that you have to be very focused on convergent outcomes, you know, f- implementing the solution, getting the right answer. And that may be uh, favored more by different personality traits and, and different uh, aspects of the environment as well.
0: Would that then suggest that if you are looking at at trying to to encourage creativity and and hopefully therefore innovation within an organization, that a team approach might be better because while you might have certain traits and characteristics in one person, by putting them together with other people and and, and developing a team context, then you can get all of that working in in tandem for uh, the, the, the aims that you want.
1: Um, I I think the answer to that is it depends. Now, I mean, what you've suggested is I agree with you and that probably most of the time uh, by having a team, of course, you have a diverse range of people and everybody's got different strengths and so on. And and so you kind of maximize your chances of being good at everything that's required somewhere in that team. Um, However, we, we shouldn't rule out the fact that some people are uh, basically, you know, psychologically agile enough to to switch back and forth. So, you know, it depends a little bit on the organisation. Some organisations, may, and maybe with a smaller team, or, or possibly even an individual, have no choice but to be more flexible. And and all of the individuals may have to be able to switch back and forth. So, you know, today we're thinking divergently, but tomorrow we have to be in a more convergent phase and we, we have to be good at agile enough and flexible enough to switch back and forth. Probably in larger organizations, that's where we have the opportunity to to perhaps specialize a little bit more within the team uh, and recognize that some people are particularly good at certain aspects of, of what's required for innovation. So let's let's kind of devote them to that. Other people are better at at uh, other aspects. So let's kind of specialize there. So it, the, all of the all of the options sort of exist from specializing and, and and sticking to what you're good at to being flexible and switching back and forth. But uh, I mean, as you know, I think uh, nowadays we understand that diversity is generally good for innovation. So when we're talking about teams, the, the more people we have who are not just, you know, uh, sort of ethnically diverse, but linguistically diverse and and uh, culturally diverse, that diversity is good because what we see coming out of that are or is or are more uh, people with all of the skills that will require to optimize the innovation process.
0: And, and is there also a sense when you're talking about that diversity in teams? that to, to use a, a term i've already used once uh, so far in this discussion you have that creative abrasion that different people from different perspectives with different ideas viewing uh, the same problem but from different angles may come up with different ideas and they may be challenged in in different ways to to think uh, differently about what they're seeing
1: yeah i think that that's absolutely critical because uh, of course you know we we know the dangers in in any organization of of groupthink and you know people basically just converging too quickly on on a solution and you know either through lack of diversity not really being aware of other solutions or through through a sort of you know cognitive laziness just you know going to the to the easy solution um, those situations of course you know can often lead to to relatively uncreative solutions and a lack of innovation so. Uh, we need that abrasion that you mentioned, and and that that doesn't have to be a, a bad thing. You know, it, it maybe it sounds like a, a somewhat pejorative term, but of course it isn't. It's it's good abrasion that that's making sure that we explore possibilities and that we don't just sort of zoom in too quickly on on an easy solution, but actually take the time to to explore a range of possibilities and. and to, to get to those possibilities in the first place. We need people who, who come from these different backgrounds and so on and have different perspectives on the problem and so on uh, to make sure that we uncover you know this broadest possible range of solutions. I, I like to always say that you know we, when we're in this idea generation stage, I like to think of an analogy of sort of filling a bucket with ideas. and and once we've got a full bucket of ideas, then then we're sort of we're ready and we've got the, the equipment uh, to then go in and analyze analyze those ideas. But, but if the bucket is empty in the first place, then we've got nothing to work with. So so that diversity is good. That abrasion is good because it fills that bucket with lots of interesting, different, diverse ideas. And And the more ideas we have in that bucket, the better the chance is that we'll find a really good idea in the bucket.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting when when you put it like that, and and I know we've been talking for the last few minutes about personality, but one element of personality, and uh, that may possibly play out when you have all those competing views and, and people challenging each other in hopefully positive and uh, productive ways, is is what David Kelly at IDEO has called you know, creative confidence. What role do you feel? creative confidence and, and people having a, a sense of confidence in their own ability to be creative uh, plays? Uh,
1: it's it's very important and in fact in a lot of psychological studies of things like creativity, um, so-called self-efficacy uh, is often assessed and we again a, a bit like openness uh, as a personality trait, self-efficacy uh, typically has a, a strong positive relationship to, you know, to creative performance, to the actual outcomes that people generate. So, uh, and it's like a lot of things in life um, that, you know, if, if you believe that you're capable of doing it and have confidence in yourself, that that affects how you behave. And, and so it's a sort of, you know, a, a virtuous kind of cycle that reinforces itself. But uh, that Self-efficacy in creativity is absolutely vital that you know, we, we, we have to have confidence in ourselves. And it, it comes back ultimately to, you know, I sometimes talk about myths and misconceptions in creativity and innovation and the, the, the sort of uh, partner of what we're talking about is that a lot of people, when you mention creativity, they think, oh, creativity, well, I'm not artistic, so I'm not creative and and that's the the sort of negative aspect of this self-efficacy that there's there's still a lingering belief that creativity and therefore sometimes innovation is something that only artistic people do so so you know that would be a good example of of uh, a kind of damaging low self-efficacy so what we often have to do is is start by reminding people you know creativity is not just about painting pictures and writing poems it's it's about Solving problems, and and most people do that in their jobs. So you can you can instantly sort of remind people that they they are probably uh, more effective at creativity than they realized, and then then sort of work on building that up. Precisely because self efficacy or, or creative confidence is important to this process.
0: And does that explain differences or perceived differences anyway in innovation capability between people? Uh, I'm assuming that on a certain level, there's a degree of technical knowledge that people might need to have in a certain field. But beyond that, things like the self-efficacy and the personality aspects coming in as well. Yep, absolutely. The uh, in fact, I, I like uh, only you know, more recently I've I've started
1: talking in terms of creativity as a competency. Uh, you know, we've seen quite a lot of literature recently about um, creativity as a 21st century skill, but competency is a better term because it touches on exactly what you've uh, just been describing that a competency and, and you know if you go from creativity extending into innovation then a competency is not just the skill but it's also the attitudes and the behaviors and uh, to, to answer your question um, technical knowledge of course is is important in innovation you know I've, you you rarely see somebody invent a new bridge or or whatever it happens to be if they know nothing about that technical discipline equally however and the thing that probably explains more of the difference between individuals is uh, are the uh, the personality traits and the the cognitive skills like divergent thinking because most of those things are are sort of normally distributed in the population so you have some people who who by nature are open to new ideas and, you know, and have high self-efficacy and so on. And a good divergent thinkers just because you know, they've developed those, those qualities uh, through their life experiences. And you have other people who, who are less adept at those things. So you get a kind of distribution, um, which I mean, it may not be a, a perfect you know, Gaussian distribution or normal distribution, but those things are definitely distributed across the population. And uh, that, as you explained, probably explains the, the difference that we see between individuals. However, having said that, of course, uh, a lot of the, the point of training and creativity and innovation is to try and sort of nudge everybody up you know, to a higher level. So if you start from a very low level, if we can get you just to a sort of an average level, that's still a beneficial thing, whether that's in in your openness or your self-efficacy. If you're already high, and we can nudge you a little bit higher, then again, it's 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 still beneficial. So, um, but absolutely, that's uh, those things vary person to person, and that's probably what explains individual differences.
0: You, you mentioned training there, and, and I'm curious to know, you know, what what makes effective training for innovation. We can talk about the different technical skills and the personality traits and so on, as we have, but is it just about enhancing those or are there particular things that, that individuals and organizations can do in terms of training?
1: Uh, well, the, it, one important sort of um, foundation of this is that in creativity, the the consensus over many years is that people can be trained. Uh, to be more creative so it means that we are starting from a position where uh, all the the research evidence suggests that you can help people to improve all of these factors that are important for creativity and therefore feed into innovation and if we if we leave aside the the technical knowledge and so on which you know we we already know can be uh, dealt with and, and developed Uh, In its own right, then improving innovation and training people to be better at innovation comes back to looking at these individual factors like personality, dispositions, attitudes and the the thinking skills and so on. And and, uh, all of those things, one way or the other, have been research to, that we people have developed training programs, even, and I, this, I mean, people I'm sure can understand, your listeners will understand that you can, they can imagine training somebody to be a more effective divergent thinker, but they may find it a little bit more surprising to talk about training somebody to be more open to ideas or training somebody to be more willing to take risks. But even those things uh, can be developed, whether training is exactly the right word, But um, for example, if you if we know that openness to new ideas is is associated with creativity, uh, if we test a, a person in our team and find that they have very low openness to new ideas and we want to improve that, the training, so to speak, might be encouraging that person to to experience new things. And that could be as simple as saying, well, you know, if you if you walk the same way to work every day or drive the same a uh, route to work every day, then then start taking a different route, like start doing things that are the consequences of which are, are low risk. So you know, if you're going to take a drive a different way to work, and maybe there's a risk that you're going to be five minutes late, that's not really a, a kind of earth shattering risk. So it's a safe thing to do, to begin to expose yourself to new ideas and to new experiences. And the idea of of training there is that the more people do these things, the more they get used to to being open to new ideas, and they they sort of experience it and get used to the feeling, and start to to behave a little bit differently. Um, so I think again the the consensus is that we can influence all of these things, whether you call it training or or sort of developing in some way, but we can we can change these things, we can develop them in a way that then should be beneficial to innovation. Now, of course, there's, there's no guarantee that you know five minutes a day of, of openness training is going to make your organization 5% more innovative, but it's about setting up the conditions that maximize the possibility of innovation happening
0: i was really interested listening to you there that uh, you, you talked obviously about more of the psychological factors and that's fair enough but you didn't at all mention any any training in for example techniques uh, such as design thinking or brainstorming or you know any of those more traditional um creative thinking techniques would you suggest there's a benefit in, in training people in those as well
1: yep to um, so, uh, fair point and uh um but yes, absolutely, and and um, when we get to what well, well, I mentioned before, of course, that process or divergent thinking, uh, of course, is one of the important factors. And the the techniques that you've mentioned are generally uh, sort of oriented around the, that cognitive process, and and things like brainstorming, in particular, of course, it's basically a way to try and and help people to to put a bit of of structure on. The, the process of divergent thinking. So uh, I think training in those methods uh, is also beneficial. The only um, sort of reason I hesitate a little bit with that is that I'm my my general sort of philosophical position on this is that I try to to sort of steer clear of particular brand name methodologies. Uh, not not because any one of them is is inherently weak or or you know ineffective, but because I I see a tendency in a lot of organisations for people to get too hung up on a particular methodology, and the danger of that is that uh, you know every methodology has some strengths, but they also have weaknesses, and you know it's, it goes back to the, the old saying that if the only tool you have is a hammer, you tend to see every problem as a nail. That if if the only tool your organisation uses is is you know methodology X then there's always a danger that when you come across a problem that's not really ideally suited to methodology X, but you you keep trying to use the same methodology, that you actually end up de-optimizing the process. So methodologies are fine. They're, They're fine for helping to develop these necessary cognitive skills, but I always caution people to be not to get too hung up on a methodology, but, but, you know, look at a range of methodologies so that you can pick the right one for the particular circumstances of the problem that you're trying to solve. Okay,
0: interesting. We spend a good bit of time talking about individuals and and a little bit more time as well talking about teams, but if we take a, a step back a level and look at, say, organizations, what suggestions would you have for anyone who's listening who who's thinking about how they can enhance the innovation capability of their organization
1: well my my uh, message is always you know that it comes back to this system that i mentioned of the factors of personality cognitive processes and the different stages but for for enhancing innovation in an organization i think um, really the the critical thing is first understanding what are the factors that affect innovation and how do those factors come into play at each stage so i i in my book you've probably seen but i i always sort of think in terms of of a kind of matrix of the stages and the corresponding factors of person process and so on and that that creates this matrix that at every stage of the process, there's there's kind of a unique profile of what's good for innovation in that phase and the things that may actually hold back innovation. So for an organization to improve its capacity for innovation, the the people, the the leadership in that organization, uh, I think, benefits when they understand that innovation is not a a simple one-shot or one-size-fits-all process. It's it's a somewhat complex thing. I don't like to say complex because that, that sounds bad, but it, it's a complex phenomenon that results from this combination of how we think, who we are, where we work, and that at every stage of the innovation process, those things may work slightly differently. Once you understand uh, what the, the matrix of, of those interactions is, then you've got a roadmap in front of you and, and the leadership in an organization then is in a position to say, now we know that we're in this particular stage of the process, as a result of that, we know what psychological factors are at play, and then you're in a position to, to start sort of fine-tuning and optimizing the organization to make sure that every stage of the innovation process is is optimized and works to the best of its ability. And whether you do that by uh, having a team that is very flexible and can switch and, and sort of change itself to, to optimize itself to the conditions needed in each stage. Or whether you, you find the right people and in each stage you put those the correct optimized people on the task. The key is having this roadmap in front of you of knowing what do you need to do at each stage of the process in terms of those psychological and organizational factors.
0: And are there particular types or forms or approaches to leadership that are, in your opinion, more or less effective for uh, innovation?
1: Well, I think the, the most critical thing is, is related to what I was just describing, that the, the effective leadership is, is the leadership that understands that innovation is this, this complex combination of factors and stages uh, where organisations, I think, run into difficulties is when when the leadership is it has that mindset of a, of a sort of one size fits all process. So, if uh, if the leadership understands that roadmap and is and takes a flexible approach to the leadership and the management of of innovation, that then uh, opens up these possibilities of of being flexible, of understanding that you may need to to sort of uh, change the way a team operates from stage to stage or change the people in it so the key comes back to this this complex combination of factors and stages and and leading with those uh, factors and stages in mind and and then understanding that you know when when we're in the idea generation stage of innovation where we need people to think divergently and we need to to sort of maybe back off a bit of the the traditional pressure Uh, In in that sort of stage, if leadership understands that what you need for people to be divergent thinkers and to be generating ideas, is they've got to have sufficient time to do that, they've got to have the resources they need, whether that's, you know, personnel or funding, and they've got to have the moral support, you know, they've got to have permission to, to sort of slow down a little bit, take their time and generate ideas. That's, that's where, leadership comes into play of of creating the creating the environment that allows the the right things to happen and providing the backing and and the the support and so on.
0: Okay, David Cropley that that sounds brilliant. look thank you very much for your insights. It's been uh, been wonderful talking to you today and uh, I look forward to speaking to you soon.
1: Great thanks very much Lauren and, and uh, I've, I've enjoyed it. it's always great to, to talk to people about these psychological factors involved in innovation. so thank you very much.
0: A <Ankỉ Gucci> <use> theme song, La La Song, electric beat time and dream sequence by Lorenzo's Music is licensed under an attribution, share and share alike license.